First John chapter four this morning. First John chapter four. As we begin today, I'd like to share these thoughts that we as believers in Jesus Christ need to be reminded that this earth that we live on is not just a place where men and women inhabit while we live our lives on this earth, that this earth is also a battleground. And unfortunately and tragically, we have been reminded of that once again in our country these last few days. And I am not here even this morning to say that the human beings involved in such horrific acts of violence are in some way absolved of responsibility. They are not. They should stand before their fellow men responsible for what they are doing, and they one day will stand before their creator, God, for what they do. But what I am saying is this, and this goes along with what John wants to teach us and remind us of today. And it's something that we as Christians need to be, I think, even more aware of and wake up to. And that is the fact that even though we as human beings do certain things, that there are spiritual forces at work behind the activity on this earth and that we need to be aware of it each and every day. That there is a spiritual world out there that acts upon the physical world and upon you and I as human beings. Now, I want to say this. We as Christians need to be reminded and encouraged by this truth that the ultimate outcome of this war that is taking place right now on the earth. The ultimate outcome of that has already been decided. Jesus wins this war. And all those who are, choose to be on Jesus' side wins this war. The Bible clearly teaches that the kingdom of this earth will one day become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. The Bible teaches that one day every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So there is no doubt as to the ultimate outcome of this war. So the question then is, if we know the ultimate outcome, then what are we still determining <laughs> as you and I live out our earthly lives on this earth, even as Christians, what is there left to be determined if the ultimate outcome is not left to be determined? Well, three things come to my mind that goes along with what John wants to tell us today. First of all, the purpose that God has for each of us to accomplish or achieve or to realize in our lives, even as human beings, is going to be accomplished not outside of the battleground, but in the battleground. Through the battle, you see. That's how God has chosen to accomplish his purposes in our life. He has called us to be many things. We're partly, you know, and in a sense fully, his, his child, his loving child that he loves so very much that we have sung about and, and talked about this morning. But something else God's word tells us that we are soldiers of Jesus Christ. 
Which is why the Bible tells us to fight the good fight, to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And that his purposes for us in our life while we're here on this earth, again, will not be achieved or accomplished outside of the battlegrounds of life, but in the battle and through the battle. That's the first thing. Secondly, because we are living on a battleground, there's also the determination of what kind of fellow soldier will we be to our fellow soldiers? Will we look out for and care for one another and be there for one another knowing that we're all in a fight together and that life is a fight and a battleground and a struggle at times? In fact, as I walked into this auditorium this morning, it's as almost God gave me the ability to smell the smell of battle in this auditorium this morning. even maybe to smell the smell of battle on some of your clothing this morning. That though you have maybe not been through a physical confrontation or conflict this past week, you've went through it this past week. <laughs> you've been in a spiritual or emotional and maybe even in some ways affecting you physically battle this past week. Again, we need to realize that God's purposes for us individually is going to be accomplished in those moments, but also what kind of fellow soldier of Jesus Christ are we going to be to our other fellow soldiers? And we've been talking about that in John, about loving one another and learning to love one another more. But then finally, there's never been a war like this spiritual war taking place right now in human history because of this, that we who are, have chosen to be on the side of Jesus, the, the one who ultimately is going to be victorious in this war when it's realized one day, even on earth, we are not seeking to kill or to annihilate or to eliminate those on the other side. No, God has called us to something even greater. God has said as his church, he wants us to live and breathe in such a way that we can actually win over those who are on the other side while we're here. Amen. That we can actually convert them. That we can actually show them that, that the side of Jesus is the only way to go. It's the only way to live. And that, that being a follower of Jesus Christ and a, a sheep a, and having him as our shepherd, that there could be no greater, no better life. And not only for this life, but for the eternity to follow. And so we are in this battle for literally the souls of individual human beings that we work with and that we live around and that we're, you know, family with and that we're friends with every day. And God, not only this this is what's left to be determined, folks, is where they're going to be at the end of all this. So with all of that, John wants to tell us today, beginning in 1 John 4, that it's so important that we stay in fellowship with God, not that we simply have a relationship with God, which is where many Christians are today, where it's just enough for them to know Christ as their Savior and that's it. No, John has been teaching us, you and I have to stay in fellowship with God for so many different reasons. Some 
to benefit us and some to benefit others, but it is so important that we stay in fellowship. And what is fellowship? It is staying in intimate connection, intimate communion with, with God every day. It's not living at a distance from God. It's living face to face with God. It's living up close. It's like, again, that friend that we talked about last week, that you know what each other's thinking without saying it, that you can communicate with each other just simply through a look, that, that you know what the person's going to say even before they say it. It's that kind of connection, that kind of closeness. That's what fellowship is. And John has been exhorting us to live in that way with God and with some fellow Christians. And one of the reasons why we need to live that way is because living in fellowship with God will enable us to be a vigilant Christian. One who is really aware, I mean really aware about what's going on in this world at all times, what's going on around us and, and around others, you see. So that's why John starts out 1 John 4 with these words. Follow along as you see the first three verses there. He says, dear friends or beloved, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to determine if they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. In fact, Jesus even said, watch out for false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are voracious wolves. In verse 2, he says, by this you know the Spirit of God, that every spirit that confesses Jesus as Christ who has come in the flesh is from God, he said. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God if they do not confess Jesus in this way. And we'll come back to that a little bit later on. He goes on to say that if that be the case, this is the spirit of the Antichrist. And notice what John says some 2,000 years ago. He says this spirit you've heard is coming and I'm telling you as one of the apostles of Jesus Christ who lived very closely to him, it's already here. Amen. It is now in the world. That's something John said 2,000 years ago. Can you imagine how much more in 2,000 years the spirit of the Antichrist has entrenched himself in this world and he is active and he is working. Now take your eyes and go down to verse 5. We'll come back to verse 4 a little bit later on. Speaking of these false prophets who are energized and influenced by these evil spirits, John says they are from the world. Therefore, they speak according to the world, if you will. But he says the world listens to them. But then notice what he says in verse 6. Though they speak from the world's perspective, he says, we are from God. And the one who knows God, and again, this word means more than having a relationship with God. It means one who's living in fellowship with God, experiential knowledge. He says, the one who knows God listens to us. Because he says the one who is not from God and whoever is not from God will not listen to us. And by this, you and I then can discern between the spirit of truth and the spirit of deceit. 
See, John is teaching us here that you and I need to be aware that we are in a battle. And first of all, he is reminding us as Christians, there is a spiritual world that affects and has influence on our physical world. You see. He's, he's teaching us that, that those who claim, and many can claim to be speaking for God, but there's always going to be a spiritual outside entity either trying to influence for good, if it's the Spirit of God, or if it's other spirits trying to influence evil and wickedness and all of that. And that there's a spiritual world out there, and it's not far away. It's literally right here. I believe that the veil of the spiritual world is right here. It's not way out there. And John is saying, when you and I live in fellowship with God, we can sense that and we can be aware of that, and that will be very helpful to us, not only to remain vigilant, but to just be aware about what's going on around us, you see. And that we should not be these Christians that are not discerning and discriminating. He says, dear children, don't believe everything you hear just because it comes from a so-called Christian or a Christian author or a Christian artist or a pastor or a minister or even a fellow Christian friend or whatever. He says, you and I better realize that we've got to be discriminating and discerning Christians. And the only way John is teaching us here in this letter that we can really be discriminating to discerning Christians is by remaining in fellowship with God. Not by just knowing him as our savior. And let me go on to say this. Being a discerning, discriminating Christian is a spiritual thing, not an intellectual thing. There are many Christians that have the sort of the misunderstanding that if I just fill my head with facts about God and about the Bible, I'll become a very discerning, discriminating Christian. I will tell you this, based upon the truth of the Bible uh, and also upon my own experience, that I have been around Christians who have, and I'm not anti-education here, I'm just trying to make a point. They have PhDs and THDs and THMs and all these higher degrees by their name, and yet they have no spiritual discernment at all. I'll give you my father as an example, who's been in heaven now for almost 30 years, who didn't even have a high school diploma, and yet my father had a discernment and discrimination. Why? Not because he was necessarily the smartest as far as maybe human IQ goes, not because he was able to go to Bible college or seminary or learn all these facts and figures about God and know where everything was and be able to quote all this stuff, but he walked with God every day in fellowship. And it was because of that that he was a discerning, discriminating Christian. Amen. Do not make the mistake of thinking that just because we continue to learn more and we fill our head with facts and figures that somehow that automatically equates to spiritual discernment or discrimination. John is teaching us it's not wrong to have all that, but it better be accompanied by a daily walk with God. 
walking hand in hand with him. That's what gives us that discernment to be able to see beyond the physical world and to un have an understanding that there's a spiritual world out there that is continually trying to affect and influence the physical world that you and I live in. It's our homes, it's our communities, it's our churches, it is everything around us. And then John goes on to say this. He says, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And that's the idea that, again, false prophets are those who claim, claim to be speaking for God. And how many Christians are duped because, oh, well, this is a minister of the gospel. Or, well, his books or her books are in the bookstore, the Christian bookstore. Not, not just Barnes and Noble. I mean, they're in the Christian bookstore. Surely everything that the Christian bookstore sells, both musically and, and in print and in word, it's got to be all right, right? Wrong. Huh. Wrong. Be careful, Christian. Be a discerning, discriminating Christian. Do not believe every spirit and everyone who claims to speak for God. You and I continually have to go back to what does the Word of God say and what does the Holy Spirit say within me? That's how I, I walk with God every day. I walk in His Word every day. That's how you and I learn to be discerning, discriminating Christians. Now, he also says in verse 2 and 3, and this is interesting, this is one of the main tests to know. Because people are like, well, how do I know what test I should put to things? Well, first of all, we could use the entire revelation of God. But John says, you know where we all need to start? What are they saying and what do they think and what do they believe about Jesus? Because if they got everything right, but they don't have it right about Jesus, then guess what? Then it really isn't right. Because you got to start with the right foundation. And the only foundation that God says is a proper foundation is Jesus Christ. If you don't get it right about Jesus, then everything you and I build on that foundation is going to be wrong too. So John says, this is how you know the wrong spirit. Do they claim that Jesus Christ, first of all, is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. So first of all, do they believe he is 100% deity? Full deity. Because let's face it, there are a lot of religions and a lot of you know, belief systems out there today that do not believe that Jesus Christ is fully God. Okay? You and I as Christians, we better believe he's fully God. But then notice what else John says. John says, well, that's not all. That also he has come in the flesh. And what John is pointing to there is we also better believe in the 100% humanity of Jesus as well. Because there were many false prophets, especially in John's day, that denied not the deity of Jesus Christ, but his full humanity. Jesus Christ is the most unique being in the universe for many reasons, and one is because he is 100% deity and 100% humanity wrapped up in one person, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And John is saying, what do they think about Jesus? Because they better get Jesus right. Then once they get Jesus right, then we can talk about other things. 
Notice what else John says in verse 5 and 6. He says, here's something else you and I need to be discerning and discriminating about. Who are we listening to? Do we just open up ourselves to just anybody and everybody and we listen to this or that person? He says, only those who are walking with God should be listening, you know, to as far as their spiritual, you know, health and spiritual well-being, those who speak from God. We, we shouldn't be allowing those who are speaking to us from a worldly perspective to begin to influence our spiritual lives or else we're going to go down into the tank real quick. So John is saying in verse 5, if you know God, you'll listen to those who truly speak from God. You see. But those that aren't from God, they don't want to listen to those who are truly speaking from God. They want nothing to do with it because it obviously contradicts and counteracts where they are. And they're in a battle too. There is a battle going on, again, for their life and for their soul and for their destiny, which is why John says we need to recognize the battle we're in we need to stay in fellowship with God because it is only when we stay in fellowship with God that we can begin to build into our lives a vigilance that will end up us being a very discerning, discriminating Christian where we won't buy into stuff that's going to take us or others down the wrong road and, and sort of destroy our spiritual health and well-being. No, we will learn who we should be listening to what we should be focusing on, and when we do hear something that we know is not right, we turn our ears off to that, and we reject that, and we move on. John is saying this is so important when we understand the battlefield and the battleground in which we live. But John doesn't end there. He gives us some very encouraging news. He says in verse 4, you and I, because we know Jesus as our Savior and we have chosen Jesus Christ, we should be conquerors. We should be victorious. We should be overcomers even in the battles that we face on this earth. Notice what he says in verse 4. You are from God, little children, and have conquered them. Who's the them? The false prophets and the evil spirits who are influencing the false prophets. Because he says the one who is in you, speaking about the person and power of the Holy Spirit who comes to indwell every believer in Jesus Christ, is greater than the one who's in the world. John is saying, Christian, do you not realize that, yes, we need to be vigilant, but in our days of being vigilant, we must always be encouraged and comforted and strengthened by the fact that we are victorious and can be victorious through Jesus Christ? even in the battles of everyday life, that yes, God's purpose for us will be found in the battles, but God does not allow the battles of life and the trials of life and the struggles of life to defeat us, but to actually strengthen us and to use us in the battleground in which we live in order to take care of our fellow soldiers, which is what every good soldier should do. Soldiers should not go AWOL, and there are many Christians in this battle that we are in, they are AWOL. They are absent without leave. 
God has never called them out of the battle. Their other fellow Christians need them. They need to be in the battle, but they've checked out. And God is saying to them, come on back. Come on back. Because don't you realize that through Jesus Christ, you can be a conqueror? I mean, this is the message of Scripture. Romans 8.37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 1 Corinthians 15.57, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Even in the book of Revelation, during the tribulation period, when the Antichrist, the literal Antichrist, is alive and well on planet Earth and things are just crazy, that those who come to Christ, here's what it says, they overcame the devil and the Antichrist and the pro false prophet through the blood of the Lamb and through the word of their own testimony. Even in the tribulation, Christians who come to know the Lord during that horrific time can be overcomers and victors. Amen. You see, that's the message of the Bible. And so what's John's message for us as Christians in 1 John 4, 4? To be dependent and to live every day in reliance upon the person of the Holy Spirit of God who lives within us. Because as God, he is greater than anyone or anything that you and I will come to fight with. Whatever our battle is with, whoever our battle is with, he is greater than, and he lives within you and I. Amen. Or say it another way, everything in the universe is less than the Holy Spirit who lives in you. And yet so many Christians have this mentality that this has beat me. It's got me down and I'll never, I'll never get on top of it. I'll never overcome it. I'll never conquer it. I'll never see victory. And my goodness, God is grieving thinking, I sent my Holy Spirit the third person of the Trinity, no one more powerful in the universe, equal in power to God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Father. He lives within you. Nothing is stronger than him. He is greater than everything else. And you are allowing, because you are not in touch with the Holy Spirit, you are not being filled with him every day, you are not walking in the Spirit every day, so you're living in defeat when you wouldn't have to be. You could be living in victory. You could be seeing progress. You could be overcoming you could be a conqueror through the one who's greater than anything else living within you but John doesn't stop there go over to chapter 5 verses 4 and 5 in these four verses John uses the word conquers or conquered four times in three verses he says in verse 4 of chapter 5 everyone who has been fathered by God conquers the world you're a born-again Christian. You have been born into God's family through the blood of Jesus Christ. Guess what? He says, you've conquered the world. Now live like it. Then in verse 5, he, or in the end of verse, he goes on to say, this is the conquering power that has conquered the world, our faith. And then he says, now who is the person who has conquered the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Conquered, 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 over and over again. He's saying vigilance, but also live in victory. Live with vigilance, but live in victory. Realizing that, first of all, 
God himself lives within us and he's greater than anyone or anything you and I will face in the battles of life. But then he's also saying this over in chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. Notice he says we also have a power. Not just the presence through the Holy Spirit. We have a power. And what's that power? Notice what he says it is. He identifies it, our faith. Our faith. See, when you and I exercise faith in God, we unleash or release the power of God in our lives. In other words, what John is saying is something very important. Faith is like a muscle that has to be exercised in order to be useful. If you and I never exercise our faith in God, then our faith lies dormant and there's no power being released from our life. So again, going back to people, Christians, who know a bunch of stuff up here in their head, but they never act on it. Without acting on what I know is up here, I'm powerless. The only way the power begins to really be exhibited in my life as a Christian is when I have faith when I truly trust and believe and have confidence and fully rely and fully depend on the one who is in me who's greater than the one who's in the world. Then the power of God literally pulsates through me and and comes out from me so that I now meet the troubles and the trials and the struggles and the battles and the fights and the wars of this life with strength, not in weakness. Excuse me. Go off camera. I want to illustrate this today because this is so important. And I want to illustrate it. I don't want to just teach it. This is faith. Now, I should say this. I'll start this way. This is not faith. Or, or maybe even, no, no, no. This is faith. See, faith, faith is when I, as a Christian, put all my weight on God. Not partial, not, not where like part of my life I'm trusting and believing, but I've got this other part out here. I'm, I'm still trying to, you know, be in control and I'm still trying to do it myself. No, no, no. Faith is when I put all my weight on God and I believe in him and have confidence in him that much that I know that when I put all my weight on him, I'm going to be sustained. I'm going to be held up. That's faith. And so many Christians, it's like, well, yeah, sure, God, I, I trust you. And this is the way they're trying to live. And the reason I, no power that way. <laughs> See, real power comes in when we just abandon ourselves and say, I know you got me, God, I'm just going to rest in your arms. And here can I say why this is important in a contrast, to, in a way to look at this in contrast if you go over to chapter 5, I think it's verse 19. Here's something that's very sobering that the Bible teaches us. John says, 
Christian, do you realize that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one? Do you know what that word lies means? <laughs> it, it's just like the world, apart from Jesus Christ, is just sitting in the lap of the devil. Now, here's the thing. Here's what John wants to teach us about that. The reason why they're, you're saying, why would they ever do that? Because they don't know they're lying in the lap of the evil one. They're totally oblivious. They are totally unaware of the influences spiritually and the evil influences in their life and, and the things that they're hearing, that they're following, and the things that they're seeing, that they're going after. They, they just totally oblivious. And yet, they're just laying there in the evil one's arms. And that's why it's so important that we as Christians, as the church, wake up. Because by being the church that God calls us to be, we can begin to live in such a way and even do church in such a way and, and all of that that can begin to maybe help others to see what they're not seeing right now. But how can we help others to see what they're not seeing if we as Christians aren't even vigilant to it? If we're not even discriminating and discerning Christians who are aware of the spiritual forces and, and the evil spirits that maybe you're trying to speak into our life. And if we can be duped, because John clearly says to Christians, not to non-Christians, don't believe every spirit which means there are many Christians throughout history who have believed other spirits that are not from God. If you and I can be duped, how much more can one who doesn't have the Spirit of God within them be tricked, be duped? How much more can those who do not have the faith within them to be able to unleash that kind of spiritual power. See, for them, it starts with asking Jesus Christ to be their Savior. Then the Holy Spirit comes in, and then God will give them the faith to be able to live in a powerful way beyond what they could live at this level as simply a human being. So John, really, again, speaking from the heart here, is telling us, guys, gals, Yes, we live on this earth. But as a Christian especially, we must be aware that this earth is not just a place where we inhabit. It is a battleground. And yes, the ultimate outcome has already been decided, but there's still a lot to be determined, which is why God has us here and why God leaves us here throughout our earthly life. Amen. What kind of soldier am I going to be? What kind of fellow soldier am I going to be to my other fellow soldiers and fellow Christians? And am I going to take anybody with me? Am I going to win anybody from the other side over to the side of Jesus? Am I going to be part of their conversion by the way I live, by the way we as a church do church? That's what's yet to be determined. Because make no mistake about it, the Bible says that one day when the Lord Jesus does come back in all his glory, there's going to come a point where there's nothing more to be determined. 
where all those who've had an opportunity to choose Jesus will have had that opportunity. And there's nothing else left to be determined. When you and I are called home to glory or when the rapture takes place, there's no more opportunity for us to fulfill our mission as a soldier of Jesus Christ. We had that opportunity while we were here. What did we do with it? Were we AWOL or were we an engaged soldier who got up every day and say, Lord Jesus, make me a faithful soldier for you in, in this battle that we are in. Get me into the fight. And what kind of fellow soldier are we to our fellow Christians? Those are things yet to be determined. But John says, let's not go into these battles thinking that God hasn't given us what we need to be victorious. Oh, no. We have everything we need to be victorious if we'll just appropriate it. He said, you've got the Holy Spirit living within you. And you've got this power that maybe you've never realized. It's called faith. And when you and I fully put all of our weight on God, then that spiritual power is released from our life and unleashed on this world. I believe the smell of battle is in this auditorium this morning. And I believe if we could, we could probably smell the smell of battle on some some of your clothes here today, because you've been through it lately. But I want you to know this. Whatever battle, whatever fight, whatever struggle you're going through, as a child of God, you don't have to be defeated. You can live in victory. Amen. The choice is yours. Will you claim the promises of God that the one who lives within you is greater than any Thing or anyone who's in the world and will you claim the promise of God that this is the conquering power that conquered the world our faith God give me the faith I believe Lord help my unbelief give me the faith to fully rely and rest all my weight on you could we stand and pray father I asked you today to make us strong in you, to be willing to fight the good fight, to be willing to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, to realize, God, that you have given us the power through you to resist the devil and to make him flee, to resist him every time he comes at us firm in our faith that you have taught us in your word to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, to every day clothe ourselves with the full armor of God so that we may stand against the schemes of the devil. To realize, God, that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual forces of evil. And yet... Against all that, you told us that if we put on your armor, that we can stand against any and every attack against us, and we can withstand it. And at the end of it all, we can still be standing, God. Oh, God, 
Help us to see who we could be in you. A mighty church marching forward on this earth, winning people over to the side of Jesus before it's too late, caring for our fellow soldiers on the battlefield, finding our own purpose and carrying out the mission you've given us as your good soldier, God. Lord, would you strengthen us for the fights, strengthen us for the battles that we're facing. Give us the encouragement that we need. And would you make this church, especially, Lord, like other churches, a place of refuge and strength where we can come and not only love on you, but love on each other and be strengthened by you and be encouraged by you so that we can go back out into the fights and into the battlegrounds that we face each and every day, each and every week. We dedicate, Lord, ourselves to you and dedicate this time to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.